Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, one year there was, a, there was a terrible flood, and uh, the waters were rising, it kept raining, and there was a little town, and it was set at the, the, the convergence of two rivers, and, and as the waters met and went off the, land, the watershed into the rivers, the waters rose and rose, and, and everyone was evacuated out of the town. Everyone went, and they got out of there, except, well, except one old man. And he stayed in his house, and, 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 and as the last guy was leaving, he said, Hey, come on, we'll, we'll get you out of here. He's like, Nope, the Lord is going to take care of me, and, and he's going to help me. And, and so they left away, and uh, the waters continued to rise, and it started to, to, to fill the streets even. And so someone with a four-wheel uh, pickup came by and said, Hey, you know, I could just barely get out of here. He's like, Nope, just go on. The Lord saved someone else. And the waters rose some more, and... Uh, and uh, as they came up, uh, a guy on a boat came by because now he traveled and traveled around with a boat. And, and he's like, hey, come on, get in the boat. I'll, I'll rescue you and save you and, and we can get out of here. He's like, nope, the Lord is going to provide for me. And well, the waters continue to rise. And he gets on the roof of his house and, and all of a sudden uh, a helicopter comes and, and it's got a ladder and it's like, sir, Grab onto the, the helicopter, we'll get you. He's like, no, just get out of here. You're going to blow me off with all your wind. On. Just go, the Lord will take care of me. And, and so the, the helicopter stayed as long as it could, but he, he, he left. The guy wasn't coming. And, and well, the guy drowned. And uh, when he gets to heaven, he, uh, he says to St. Peter, he says, Peter, I'd like to have a word with the Lord. And, uh, and so, so Peter makes that available to him. He says, Lord, you know, you promised to take care of me, and I was calling, I was relying. I mean, I asked you if you would take care, you know, make the waters go away, and, but you didn't. And, and he says, well, son, I sent you a pickup truck, a boat, and a helicopter. You, why didn't you take any of them? Sometimes that's how we are, aren't we? Sometimes we're thinking about being faithful so much that we're not seeing that God is providing things right in front of us that are our means of helping us. And, you know, as I say these things, one of the things, and I, I was talking with our, our elders this morning because uh, a little bit of anxiety about what's going on with our vacation Bible school, right? With, with all the people that have had to step away and, and, and like, Lord, you got to do something. And, and, and certainly we trust in him and look for what he's going to do. But, but sometimes it's just, you just wonder. And, and uh, we've been looking at the Acts of the Apostle. And as the Acts of the Apostles have been talking with Jesus before he leaves, he tells them, I want you to wait. And stay in Jerusalem until my spirit comes upon you. And the, the disciples are like, okay, whatever that means. And, and uh, Jesus ascends into heaven right before their eyes and they're, they're watching and like, whoa, that is amazing. And they're standing there and uh, into that two, two guys dressed in white come up and say, what are you looking at? This Jesus, he's going to come back the same way he went up. Get on with it and do what he told you to do. And so they gather in 
this upper room, and, and, and they, they begin praying, and they're, they're waiting, because God, Jesus told them to wait. But at some point, the waiting ends. And how do we know when that is, when we're supposed to move on? But clearly, we, we need to move on. Well, we see that today. As we move from chapter 1 into chapter 2, it is going to be pretty clear for them that God's doing something. If you have your Bibles, if you're taking a, open up to Acts chapter 2, and uh, this great story, as mentioned with uh, the children in the children's message, this is Pentecost. And, and sometimes we, we associate Pentecost with, with a particular branch of Christianity, Pentecostalism, and, and it's uh, affiliating it with, uh, with the, the, the movement of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and prophecy and all these things. But, but Pentecost uh, just means 50th. And it's the 50th day after Passover. So in a Jewish community, it is a time where they have festivals. It is the, the first, the, the, the harvest of the barley and the first part of the wheat is coming up. And so they come and they gather to worship the Lord. And, and they have this great festival called, well, it's, it's during Pentecost, the 50th day after Passover. And, and so in Jerusalem, as the disciples are waiting for all of the things that Jesus promised to happen. There's people from all over the place there. And that's the setting. And so when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native net language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Well, the disciples were told to wait. Uh, part of what they did during their waiting at the end of chapter 1 is they, they, they filled Judas's place. They, they said, okay, we, we need a 12th there, but they continue waiting. And, but then on this day, something happens. The sound was, must have been overwhelming to them as it, as it rushed upon them. And then this strange manifestation. It was like tongues of fire. Uh, you can imagine just things. And, and it rested upon each of the believers. There. The believers were all gathered together is what it says. And, and uh, certainly it would have been the, the 12 disciples, uh, the 11 plus Matthias who had been voted in to take Judas's place. But, but probably as well, the other 120, it says in chapter 1, that there was 120 altogether who were followers of Jesus gathered and and wondering, what do we do next? And waiting for this. And, and into this mix, the Spirit of God comes into their presence. 
And did they know what to do? <laughs> Boy, did they ever. They began to do what God directed them to do. And all of a sudden, they are speaking in languages that they undoubtedly have no idea what they're saying, how to say these words. But they're just saying what they're going to say. And they're, they're giving wonders to God and lifting him up. And people are like, what is this noise? And I just imagine them coming out in the streets and through the windows. And, and, and what is, what is, wait a minute. All these people gathered in Jerusalem from many parts, the, uh, the traditional language that people would speak to communicate with one another from culture to culture would have un undoubtedly have been Greek. Greek, having gone through uh, the empire, through the, the work of Alexander the Great, had, had covered so much, and so it became the trade language, much as English is today. They aren't speaking Greek, though. We're hearing them in all languages. And, and they're talking about the wonders of God. This is, this is amazing. What is going on here? God is doing a work. And many are hearing this. But with that, there's some who are, well, they're not quite as enthusiastic. It's like, ah, I don't know. I think they just have too much to drink. Which raises lots of questions for it. I mean, here we have this tremendous appearance and working of God's spirit and, and it's just right before them. It's a, it's a miracle on many levels and, and there's someone's like, eh, is it? Really, is it? Uh, sometimes in our life, as, as we live our life by faith and, and, and we have in our country this legacy that, that they're much of the, the basis of our constitution and our laws is, is oriented from our Judeo-Christian background. And, and so we have this understanding of this is how life ought to be. And, and yet we, we walk alongside many who are like, eh, I mean, I, I see some of the principles, but, you know, this whole religious part of it, uh, I don't know. It's interesting we can interact with others. I mentioned my daughter Stephanie's uh, trip down to McDonald Observatory and seeing the wonders uh, of the sky and being next to those. is like, who could believe in God? And that's part of our landscape, isn't it? And in fact, it's part of the landscape that Jesus even said. It's like, there will be those who hate you, who want nothing to do with what you're talking about because you are connected to me. And... And we get this first glimpse of it here. Here they are speaking in tongues about the wonders of God. And some are saying, eh, is it really that big a deal? But what God is doing is tremendous. So much so that as the God Spirit is guiding, even Peter says, all right, we need to address something here. And so as the passage moves on in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11. And note that in verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11. It's like we are, saying, we are standing here together about this. We are united in this. So it's not just by himself, but Peter taking some leadership, stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Oof. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned in the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This uh, the first major sermon in the book of Acts, and it's Peter getting up, and, and he starts speaking from the book of Joel, which I'm sure many of you probably, if the Lord was speaking to you, is like, I got a message, and it's from the book of Joel. Uh, many of us would not be very familiar with the, the book of Joel, but... But Peter was, having grown up in, in a Jewish culture, and, and those he was talking with, he, understanding this is the people that are here, that are gathered here, this is Jerusalem, this is the festival that comes at Pentecost, and so these people know their scriptures. And they would have heard these prophecies from their rabbis at different points in their lives and their teaching. And, and Peter says, hey, you know, some of you are scoffing here. You know, they're, oh, they've had to drink. You know, it's nine in the morning, guys. They're not drinking. But here's what this is. And he takes that incident, the mocking that happens because of the doubters or, or those who wanted nothing to do with this, and says, no, no. What this is instead is this thing that was talked about in the scriptures the things that we've heard of, this coming of the Spirit upon all people, your sons and your daughters, this is what's going on here because you, you know what has happened? Because of Jesus of Nazareth, because of what he has done, all these things took place. Jesus, 
He did all kinds of miracles. You saw them in this city. You saw them in the countryside. This is who this Jesus is. And what he has done has been to bring the kingdom of God before us. And in his life and his teachings, he taught us about what God was. And, and, and as he did this, you people killed him. A little direct there. But God raised him from the dead. And as he tells these stories and connects the scriptures in Jesus' lives and connects some of the things that, that, that even King David had said, David would have been certainly within their minds as one of the great leaders that, that brought about the great history of their people. He said, David would have talked about this. He talks about this, this thing that's to come and a body that doesn't see decay. Well, his grave is here buried with the kings. He's obviously not talking about himself. But he was pointing to this day, the culmination of what God had been intending all along. And then he uses this phrase, he's made him Lord. A couple weeks ago when we were looking at Psalms, I mentioned that in the Old Testament, when we see the word Lord spelled with a capital L-O-R-D, that's an indicator that the Hebrew word is the word Yahweh, the very name of God. And the, 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 Jews, the Jews would not speak that word in order so that they might not pr- mispronounce God's name. So instead, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. And so you have, in, for example, in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, it's, it's actually Yahweh Adonai. Yahweh, our Lord, your name is majestic in all the earth. But, but now in... Within the church, what do we see happening? Jesus is connected with Lord. They are one and the same. And this Jesus is the one who is fulfilling what God has said was going to happen. This is the message that that God has for you in this time. And, And as we look at it, as we hear this, we have an eyewitness account of what God was doing. Again, when we have in the scriptures is we have the disciples, the apostles, those who saw Jesus giving testimony about what was happening. That was a crucial understanding. That's why, why they had to have the vote on, on Matthias in, in chapter 1. That they needed to find people who had been and seen Jesus all the way through and knew and because they needed eyewitnesses. Now as Peter brings this message to the people that are gathered, wondering, what is going on here? He says, this is God at work. The God you believe in, the God that has promised this in the book of Joel, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, this God has worked and is doing now a new work. This anticipation of his spirit being poured out, that's right now. One of the beautiful things is it's, the Spirit is not poured out on one person here or there as we see in, within the Hebrew Scriptures. We, we'll see a leader here and, and, and a couple others there. Prophets are, are led and guided by the Spirit of the Lord. Now we see each one. These tongues of fire coming onto everyone. Being touched and filled by the Spirit. This new work that God is doing this thing that is happening as the culmination of what Jesus has done, 
this is for everyone. And these things are going to guide and direct us in this movement, which seems pretty small at the outset. It's 132 or so, right? 120 plus the 12. But it's going to be something. And we see the inception of God's work now in his people with his spirit being rest upon each of them so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, Jesus gets to the end of the sermon, or Peter gets to the end of the sermon, sorry. And in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. What should we do? Well, that's a response to good preaching, isn't it? What should we do with this? You've given us this picture of what the, what's next. What should we do? And Peter says, repent. Repent is a word that means wherever you're headed, turn around and go the other way. Turn, turn away from what you're doing. Uh, we take that particularly in light of, of sinful actions in our life. He's, stop doing that. Stop living your lives for yourselves only, but to live it for the Lord. And then be baptized. Uh, to, to, to be baptized is, is this symbol of being washed and cleansed, uh, of the, the life that we have being washed away and new life coming. That's what this message is for. And this is for you and your family. And, and, and isn't it good to know that we're in here? You and I, here in this room, are described in here. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. We're pretty far away from that day. 50 days after the, uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We are now in 2019. But this work of the Spirit of the Lord continues. The message of Jesus and what he did for mankind continues to go forward. And we are part of this. God is doing a work even today, drawing people to ourselves. Chick was talking about the, the Jesus film last night. It said in 2018, 800,000 people came to faith through the ministry of the Jesus film project as it went to different countries and, and talked uh, about who Jesus was with the, the pictures that they could see who and what he did and the, the suffering he endured on our behalf. This message goes forward to this day. God is doing a work. At one of our theology conferences a couple years ago, one of our speakers, he, uh, he said, you know, sometimes we think, you know, 
when I get to heaven, I want to talk to Peter. And he's like, what was it like on that day when 3,000 people came to the Lord? That must have been awesome. And, and the speaker said, you know what I think? I think Peter and John and, and Luke and Matthias, they're going to come to us. And they're going to say, hey, what was it like in the 2000s when, when there was a Pentecost happening every day? 3,000 people coming to faith so fast and regularly. It's mind-blowing. God is doing a work in your life. Tell us about what it was like to see the movement of the Spirit in Asia and in Africa and, and the rejuvenation of hearts and lives in countries like, like Russia and China. Tell us what that's like. We're living in an era still where the Spirit of God is moving and guiding. This is what we're part of. This is not something that we do because we're bright and clever and because we have the best technology. It always is the work of God's Spirit in and through us. And that, as we even approached last week, comes as we bring ourselves before the Lord in prayer, asking for Him to do His work, to move within us. We want to see the Lord do some things here, here on this island. In our vacation Bible school, we want to see children come to faith. We want to see our, our high school and junior high students come to faith and to leave this place with the strength to be able to walk alongside those who would scoff and say, oh, they're just a bunch of drunks but to have the power of God's spirit and the knowledge of his work in their lives. Well, we can't do that just by, by tossing the ball out there or having a Bible study. It is, it is the work of God's spirit and his people praying for God to do his work. He's going to use a different path than we chose for VBS we had Leslie tapped last year, boom, taken care of. Sue stood up, we had her tapped. We're going to have to use a different path. But we still depend upon the same God. In all things, it is Him. Let us stand for prayer. Father, this morning, thank you for this tremendous story for the work you did on that Pentecost Sunday so many years ago. The realization that as they waited for your spirit to come, the power that came infected them and infected their community. But we recognize it's about you doing your work in us. Lord, we bring ourselves before you this day recognizing the, the message to, to repent and believe that Jesus gave and now Peter's repent and be baptized. And Lord, in our hearts, in our lives, we need you. 
We need to rely and depend upon you. We need your spirit in our lives and our hearts to be moving in our work and our ministries, that this might be guided by you, not by our cleverness or our planning or our strategy, but you doing a work for us, in us, and through us. Give us the humility to be patient to wait on you, but give us the boldness in relying on you to step strongly and tell people, this is what it's about. This is what Jesus did, and in this day, he's moving. Lord, we need you. Guide us this week. We pray this in the name and the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you and guide you this week. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.